You're listening to Word Slinger Podcast, episode 150, Thrillers as Satire with Rick Pullen. This episode of the Word Slinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. That's right. You made it to the right place. No worries. <laughs> this is the Word Slinger Podcast. I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to have another fun week. I've got uh, on the show today... An author who, uh, uh, there's a long history. I mean, there's, a, so, okay, let me just back up. <laughs> uh, I met this author uh, because of other authors I've interviewed, uh, specifically Steve Barry, who put me in touch with his publicist, who put me in touch with Rick Pullen. Rick has written a book uh, called The Apprentice. And if, that, if the title sounds vaguely familiar, there's a good reason for that. This is um, an interesting concept, but it's, it's a thriller that is essentially a satire on current events and our current president, uh, Donald Trump, regardless of how you feel about the guy. Um, I, uh, I, well, I'll be honest. I don't like him much. I didn't like him much when he was uh, hosting The Apprentice. I didn't like him much uh, when he was just doing a, a cameo in uh, Home Alone 2. I'm not a fan, but uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm also not uh, calling for the guy's head or anything, and uh, maybe I should be, <laughs> or maybe not. I, I, whatever, whatever your political leanings. I'm conservative. You may be liberal. I don't mind, but uh, this is kind of a fun idea of uh, taking current events and uh, writing a uh, writing a thriller around the whole thing. Uh, so you know, that's what Rick's done. He's got other books out there. Um, that uh, you might find interesting, by the way, like Naked Ambition. Uh, and I think he kind of takes this tack with his work. So this is an interesting concept. I was pretty glad to chat with him about it. Uh, so we'll we'll hop into that interview in a second. Um, now, I've got, uh, of course, some industry news events. Uh, I'm going to, I'm tapering things down a little. I think I went a little long last time, uh, but uh, I am tapering things down just a little with uh, the news items this morning. I, I got three, three more stories uh, that I think you're going to dig. So stick around after the interview for those. Um, and uh, I'm curious, are you, uh, how, what are you getting out of the show these days? Are you enjoying the show? Are you uh, getting useful tidbits? <laughs> I'm kind of, consider this a survey. Uh, if you'll pop over to wordslingerpodcast.com and send me an email and let me know, uh, what, what are you getting out of the show these days? Is there anything uh, that really sticks out as something, um, you know, fun, something, uh, you know, because the, let me just put it this way. The, the, uh, the mission of the show is to inspire and inform, educate and entertain. And if I'm hitting all four of those points in every episode, then I'm really being a success. If I can only do one, um, I still consider it a success. But let me know uh, how am I doing with that. I, I I don't get a ton of feedback on the on that you know the sort of format of the show. Uh, I do get a lot of people who write. I uh, had someone write and tell me that they enjoyed my my take on education, which I'm I thank you. I'm, I know uh, it's not always a popular. Um, 
position uh, that I have. But, uh, you know, whatever. We, we can all coexist uh, anyway, uh, even if we differ on, on certain points of view. Um, but I would like to hear how this content is impacting your life in positive ways, if, if it is. So uh, thanks for that in advance. Now, <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and hop right into the in, this interview with Rick Pullen. Um, great guy. Uh, I really enjoyed him. Uh, enjoyed chatting with him. Um, he, he was wearing an eye patch during the interview, uh, <laughs> uh, cause he had, had, uh, I think he had eye surgery or something. And, uh, uh, so if you want to see that, you can hop over to the YouTube version of the show. Uh, that's always, that's always kind of interesting, uh, to be able to, to put a face to the name, you know, uh, but he assures me he does not normally wear an eye patch. So it was kind of a nice pirate theme for the day. <laughs> I think it gives him an edge. So Rick, if you're listening, I think the eye patch gave you kind of an edge, man. You might you might consider making that a regular part of the uh, of the whole ensemble. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Rick Pullen and uh, stick around for the industry news afterwards. I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody! Thank you for tuning into another another fine week of the Wordslinger podcast. Um, now today I'm talking with now you know I love talking to authors in particular, uh, but specifically I love talking to thriller authors. I'm talking to Rick Pullen. He's the author of The Apprentice. He's he's got uh, other books available. We're going to talk about some of his stuff that's upcoming. Um, and uh, this guy is writing uh, well according to your uh, your your topic, Rick. It's a DC thriller, which I. So that means it's set, I'm going to presume it's set in Washington, D.C., is that correct? And welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's set in Washington, D.C., and the title should give away a little bit of what it's all about. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> there's. I, I want to get into that because it's kind of funny. And I've been thumbing, you sent me a copy of the book, and I've had just enough time to start kind of thumbing through it, and I find it kind of amusing. Um so do you want to, let's, let's get into the premise of the book. Cause it's a, I don't know how to refer to it. It's not a parody. It's an actual thriller, but you've, you're, you're kind of, uh, uh, hinting at some real life people and events. We'll say. Yeah. Think of house of cards. So it, it's a, it's about a journalist. I, I, my, I've spent my career as a journalist. So what I really know is journalism. So this is about a young, um, uh, apprentice, basically reporter, she just uh, started at this uh, major Washington, D.C. newspaper, and events throw her into investigating the president of the United States, who happens to be, well, he's not actually president yet, he's president-elect, and he happens to be this billionaire developer with no political experience. Right. That sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> and, this, uh, and I love the fact that you gave the, uh, the, uh, the president... Uh, the initials of someone we would recognize. I don't know. I have this fear. I have this fear that if I say the guy's name in conjunction with the interview, I'm going to end up on some sort of watch list. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got a few, there's a few uh, uh, reviews of the book is sort of, I call them my hate mail or something, you know, so yeah. people, you, you always get that. Anything that even comes close to real life, people get upset about. Right. Right. Yeah. I get, I get those folks. And, um, so you're, <laughs> do you need to deal with your, deal with the, no, your, uh, you know, I can't believe it <laughs> goes off, but it does. That's what, that's what happens, man. And this is a warts and all show. I tell people all the time. This is well, uh, live. So that's, that's the problem. <laughs> you get sometimes. Right. So, um, now 
it's obvious the what inspired this particular book. Um, I'm curious though, like what what brought you to the the world of thriller writing? Anyway, you had a, a book prior to this. You want to talk about that one just yeah, a bit? That was Naked Ambition. Um, what happened with that is that uh, I had this idea for a scene, and I it, it, I had it for over a decade, and I couldn't resolve it, and. Um, Basically what it is, it's a, like a federal prosecutor leaks a story to a reporter. Again, I, I write about reporters. Right. And uh, the reporter publishes a story. The prosecutor's boss, uh, who's you know, in, the, in the Justice Department, gets really angry and decides they're going to go after the reporter to find out who leaked the story to him, not knowing that it was you know, a federal prosecutor. And right. so the, the preliminary hearing that, or the hearing, whatever it is, is set up. And at the very last second, because of different circumstances, the prosecutor who leaked the story has to prosecute his own leak. But think about that. What do you do? That's a sticky does situation. Does the reporter you know, say, okay, you did it? Or does the reporter right. protect his source? You know, what, what happens? So right. I couldn't figure out how to resolve that scene. And I talked to friends about it for years and years. And then one day at lunch over a beer with a colleague, it came to me and that was back in 2011. So I went home that night and started writing and I had the first draft of the book done by January or February. This was August in 2011. I started and then it took me three years to write cause I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah. I've been a journalist. I mean, you know, uh, inverted pyramid style, all that kind of stuff. And I, I didn't right. know how to write uh, fiction. So I started reading books on how to write fiction and I literally read 40 books on how to write fiction. So I know how to write a sex scene because there's a book on that. Dialogue, yeah. I'm pretty good at that. Setting, I'm, that's probably my weakness, but there's books on setting. Scenes, you know, you name it. I mean, there's just so many books out there on how to do this. And I figured it out. And uh, so, uh, you know, and I also had help of a, a great editor, um, Lauren Oberweger, who's, uh, um, she's in Tampa, Florida, and um, she's my ed editor. And she, um, was a huge help and it just sort of taught me how to do this and pull it all together and when I finished the book it was a good book and it got published and it became a bestseller in three weeks so I was wow about it. Yeah. wow three weeks what's your secret <laughs> I don't know I mean I have a publisher friend I mean not when I say bestseller at Amazon bestseller but it was number yeah, yeah. one in, uh, in, the th in three different thriller genres and um it just, uh, I have a buddy who's a, a niche publisher and he said, Rick, you don't know what you've done. You're the one in a million who, who really made it. Right. And I thought, you know, whoa, okay. I mean, it's like, it's selling like crazy. And, um, you know, now am I a New York times bestseller? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right. nowhere near that, but, um, right. you know, Amazon wise, it, it just, it sold really well and it caught people's attention. It helped me get a, a an agent. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, everything worked out nicely. Hey, there's hope, man. Uh, Washington yeah. Post just announced that they're 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 revamping their uh, bestseller list, and they're going to start including Amazon results. Good. So, you, know, yeah. you never know. Too late for me, right? <laughs> nah, man, you got the next book. Yeah, you got the next one coming out. Uh, yeah, I know. I felt the same way. I'm like, oh, where were you when I was hitting bestseller on uh, Amazon and iBooks and? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, you know, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We're we're going to both hit that New York Times list, man. Uh, so, the, so my first book, uh, Naked Ambition, is about an experienced investigative reporter. Okay. Um, uh, the Apprentice is about a novice investigative reporter or just reporter. 
Um, and, you know, so it's, well, you know, and then my, um, and my, my next book is going to be a sequel to Naked Ambition. It's called Naked Truth. And okay. that'll be about the, the murder of a Supreme Court justice. Um, right. And then I'm working on a, uh, another series. So it would be a third series, which I'm talking to another publisher about, uh, called Silent Partner. And that again would be, it would be another investigative reporter, but then, and so it's like, but they all have, they're all different personalities, different people, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, but I, you know, I'm thinking, well, how do I deal with this? If, you know, if, especially if the third series, you know, uh, gets picked up by another publisher. And so basically they all work for the same newspaper. So all the oh. secondary characters will be the same. And that's just like, oh, that makes it much easier. So that's, oh, that's a clever idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it, I mean, because I know then all the secondary characters and it just makes that part easy. So then I, it's just working on, on the original character. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you if you were, because it was, it's clear that it was going to be a sequel. I didn't know if you were planning to expand it into an entire series, but you know, that, well, of course the question though is, is how naked can you get? I mean, how many naked titles? Can oh, you, uh, I've got like, I have a long <laughs> list. So the, the really next, okay. Yeah, well, so Naked Truth will be out. That's about the Supreme Court, and then Naked Eye will be coming out in another year or so. That'll be about the press. Okay. I mean, because so much is happening with the press and all the changes with the press, I thought, right. well, let's okay, let's do a novel about that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, that's of course, you know, reporters are just like cops. It's a. It's there. There's a rich world you can mm -hmm. dig into. Um, and uh, a lot of it sort of, when you coming from that world, you've got that inside information, right? How much right. is that influencing your, your book? Uh, oh, clearly every, a lot. Yeah, well, it, you know, you hit on something there because I'm, I, I don't know anything about cops, you know? I don't right. know how they, how they do stuff, how they investigate stuff. I mean, I'm a huge Michael Connell fan. I mean, right. I've, I've, I've stopped reading his books because there's only four left that I haven't read yet and I'd enjoy them so much. I don't want to read them all. And then like, Oh, I'm all out, you know, slow down, savor your books. That's right. <laughs> and so, but you know, I really said, well, I don't know anything. I don't know how these guys investigate this. And, and basically I'd have to start from scratch, you know, right. if I were to write a cop book, you know, and, right. and I have friends who do that. So I thought, well, what do I know? I know journalism. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. So use what I know and you know and expand on it and you know and and so that's what i do i mean i know i used to be an investigative reporter so i know how that works yeah yeah and that's and uh that's it's not unique i mean there are other authors out there uh who were reporters who who come from that world but i mean it it is kind of a leg up uh in that you can draw on past experience and past uh you know encounters and that sort of thing uh, as part of your work. I mean, I'm oh, sure that they, what's that? I do. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so all those, I love that idea that your supporting characters repeat throughout mm -hmm. the books. Uh, so that's, and that does seem like a way to, it's almost like, um, I don't know if you're much of a comic book reader, um, but it's almost like that kind of universe where you got all these uh, super heroic characters and then they may encounter, you know, some minor B character from some other book. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of cool. So you, you can, know who they are. Yeah, and, exactly. So my yeah. readers, you know, they'll know those secondary characters. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I think that would make the world that much richer. Um, well, it, it helps me because it lets my secondary characters grow some. 
-hmm. you know, because so they're not just so flat, you know, it gives them an opportunity to be three dimensional as well. Now, what happens when those characters take on a life of their own and they want their own book? Well, you know, it could happen. I mean, I've <laughs> thought about that with a couple of them. I wonder, you know, but yeah. we'll see. Well, well, how great is that, though? Like, you, now, that. how great is that? Because now you've got these developed characters with history that mm. the readers already love. So yeah. if someone resonates with a particular character, you, it's, almost like, it's almost like genius marketing, uh, Rick. It's, it's, you can discover ahead of time which characters you, you should write about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the idea. And it just, yeah. it, it, you know, basically for me, it's finding the time to write all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you still, you still uh, working as a reporter? Uh, well, and, and I'm a magazine editor. So, okay. I mean, I, I haven't written uh, any um, uh, nonfiction in years. Yeah. I have, you know, um, so, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm retiring this year. So, I'm hoping to maybe in the fall actually write a few stories or something. As right. I transition out and they, they hire somebody to replace me. Right. So it'll be a several month trans transition. Yeah. So then next year I actually get to write full time and that's when I'll start getting, you know, these novels all done. That's, that's usually right around the time things get scary. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> suddenly you're like, okay, <laughs> this is it. I don't yeah. have the fallback anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So but I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I've, I've wanted to do this for years. So we just decided to take the plunge. Now, how have you, have you seen, have you found that there's any um, difference between, I mean, uh, there are differences, but I mean, any key notable differences between uh, writing, you know, in the journalism world and writing for uh, writing fiction, uh, anything that really just stands out and makes it. Oh yeah. Awkward? I mean, it's, it's how you, um, well, first of all, the dialogue is a whole lot better. Right, because, right. You know, you can go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And I'm a huge fan, you know, of uh, Lawrence Block and uh, Dashiell Hammett, who I think write the wittiest dialogue. You know, right. And so I go back and I really work hard on that. You know, so people say, oh, that's brilliant. You know, well, yeah, it's been written, rewritten 10 times, but people, right. you know, readers don't realize that. So, yeah, the dialogue's better. Um, just the crafting of the story is totally different. Um, you know, the way you, you sort of do a chronological you know, in, in fiction, whereas you don't necessarily, you don't do that in journalism. Journalism's the old fashioned pyramid style for the most part. Right. Uh, unless you write a, I mean, you do write some narratives for magazines, but you're basically telling the most important thing first and then you get, you know, a little less important, less important until you get to the very end. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just a, it's a totally different style. And like I said, I, I read 40 books on how to write fiction because I didn't know how to do it. Right. And so I had to learn and, you know, I mean, because that's the one thing. It took me three years to write my first book and took me three months to write um, uh, The Apprentice. It took mm -hmm. me nine months to write uh, Naked Ambition, or excuse me, Naked Truth, and I'm still doing the final edits on that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it depends on, I mean, like, The Apprentice is meant as a serial, and mm -hmm. whereas the others are meant as a series. So the Naked, is naked series, I call it. And then, you know, The Apprentice, you know, when I write the second book, it'll just be The Apprentice Part Two or something like that. Oh, okay. The story in The Apprentice will pick up right at the end, you know, where the, where the first book leaves off, the second book will pick right up right there. Whereas right. in a series, it's, you're just talking about the same characters. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so um, you, uh, what about the, the sort of work ethic of the whole thing? Do you, 
you come back to it each day or you have like a daily word count or how do you handle it? I don't do a word count. I do time pretty much. I mean, since okay. I'm still working right now, I get up at five and I basically write till seven and okay. then I got to go jump in the shower and, you know, head off to work. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'm a lot fresher in the morning. My brain works better in the morning. So that's when I write. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, every once in a while I'll do a little bit at night, but reality is my brain's not there. So yeah, the same way. And I get into it, man. And I just, I, I mean, sometimes I'm writing so fast. I can't, you know, it's garbage, you know, the first time you write, but it's, right. you have to get all the ideas on paper. See, that's the key, right? Because I tell authors that all the time. I talk to a lot of what I call will-be authors. And yeah, no, uh, no one likes to hear that. No, yeah. no one likes to hear that you, you have to turn off the internet editor and just put crap on the page yep. and then come back and edit later. <laughs> well, and so what I do, which is kind of interesting, I think. I haven't heard of other people doing it. But, you know, I'm writing along and, and when you're writing, that's when you're concentrating, you know, that's when you're totally focused on what you're talking about. And so I'll be writing, you know, I don't know if I'm in the middle of dialogue or something and an idea comes to my head and I just write it out right there. Mm -hmm. So I could be right in the middle of a plot doing something and suddenly it says, you know, make sure, you know, this character does this and that character does that and switch right. it from character, whatever. And then I keep on writing because if I don't, I'll forget it. I just right. know to get it. And, uh, you know, so, and as you know, the first draft is just garbage. Right, it's just right. Trying to get, you know, one foot in front of the other and get the whole plot out there. Unless you're Lee Child. I think Lee Child writes it all in one, one what, sitting yeah. almost. And I just, I admire the hell out of it. He, 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 yeah, he, he just spits it all out between yeah. sips of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pokes of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 I come, we come from similar backgrounds, you and I, I was not a, uh, really a journalist so much. I did, I did write for newspapers and magazines for quite some time, but, uh, most of my career was copywriting and it's the same general idea. Um, and now I, I, I do appreciate though, cause I think, and you probably are the same way, cause even the bad stuff is actually pretty okay. So it's not going to be that painful to come back to, uh, <laughs> hopefully. Well, my what i enjoy most i mean what i hate the most is plotting because uh, you know right. i i want to I, I love twists and turns right. and my daughter is really is a big help so she she helps me with crazy ideas for plots and getting it all you know in order and, and all that that to me is really hard yeah. but then when i so that's like my first draft is really a glorified plot and then the second draft is where I really start to edit and rewrite. That's when I really call it writing. Right. That is so much fun. I love crafting sentences. I love going back and fixing sentences. I love, you know, and then, and then the third draft is when I really, really try to polish it. Yeah. And, and really make it sing. Yeah. So that's the part I love. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, hard. that's when you've pulled all the strings and, you know, the picture starts to show yeah. up. <laughs> so you, uh, now you're, uh, you're coming at this and you're spending your time on it. Uh, you said something earlier. You said you don't, you don't like plotting. Um, are you, do you outline or cause I'm a discovery writer. Uh, <laughs> I don't outline. I, I, I should. I mean, okay. I get an idea and I'll jot it down. You right. know, like I said, I'll be in the middle of writing. What I try to do is the old Mickey Spillane school, you know, Mm -hmm. write a great uh, first uh, chapter and a great, you know, to get people to read the book, 
a great last chapter to get him to read the next book. Right. And so I know how it's going to end. It's getting the whole middle part of the book to get there. And yeah. that's what I, I use my daughter for. My daughter, Jill, helps me, you know, all these plot twists because I love plot twists. I love surprising my reader. So right. my books are just full of plot twists. And, right. you know, you think it's going in one direction and it goes in another. And I, I will say a lot of the reviews in my book have said they, that their people were actually really surprised. Oh, you know, yeah. What happened in the book. And, you know, I thought it was going here and it went there. And, and that's, that's the joy I get out of it is tricking people into <laughs> they're thinking the book is going one way and it goes another. Right. Yeah, that's what you want, though, right? You want yeah. you want people to write you and say, "I had no idea where it was going, and I had to keep reading to find mm -hmm. out." So you don't outline. No. Yeah, that's and, and that's and then what's interesting is I've talked to um, at this point thousands of authors. Um, you get a different answer. Well, there's usually one of two general answers. They're either a plotter or a pantser, yeah. right? Uh, but it, when you talk to, when you talk to the pantsers or when you talk to the plotters, they cannot conceive of being able to do some, what you do. They, they cannot conceive of, especially writing a thriller with a lot of twists and turns, uh, without having it, a, a, that outline. Well, <laughs> so how do you keep track I have of it? To go back, you know, and I add yeah. stuff. So like I said, I know where the beginning is. I know mm -hmm. where the, the end is. And when I'm getting there, I'll get a new idea. And how about I put this twist in and that twist in. Right. And then I'll like, and you know, so the first draft is done. And then I go, wait a minute, I could do this, or I could do that. Or I can change the ending, or I can add something to the ending, or whatever. And so it's a constant building of the plot. So it's, well, you know, so I do know where I'm going. Right. And that's key is, you know, uh, knowing where you're going, how you're going to end it. And it's, I just don't know all the twists and turns in the middle. And of course, that's, I work on that a lot because, you know, most books in the middle kind of die. Yeah. And I don't mind to die in the middle. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, 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 that's kind of the worst thing you, that could happen to your book, really, is yeah. that it's strong beginning and it's strong ending, but if, you ha if it fizzles out halfway through, <laughs> no one ever sees the strong ending. Yep. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned reviews earlier, and uh, that's, a, of course, the life's blood of authors, uh, uh, frankly. Um, are, how, do you, uh, do you, how do you get those reviews? Are you just, do you put anything in the books, or do you, how do you get them? They just, they just pop up. I mean, I'm talking about Amazon reviews. And yeah. then I have a publicist and you know, uh, marketing people who you know, uh, send the book out to lots of people, and they'll review it. Right. Uh, so, you know, but it really is, it's, it's just... Uh, I don't know. People just uh, go online and review it. You know, it's, yeah. uh, uh, it, it just happens. It just kind of builds. It, it just, I mean, like I said, I don't know how I, you know, my book became a best, my first book became a bestseller. I don't know how it happened. It just happened. Did you have a following at all? You got like a platform? No, nobody knew who I was. And wow. It just took off, which is right. what my friend, the publisher was telling me. He says, Rick, you just don't get it. It just, this doesn't happen to people. Yeah. So, you know, was, you got a whole lot of people right this second who want to stab you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I doesn't happen. Yeah. I just got really lucky. Yeah, well, there's probably a lot. You don't just get lucky in, in this business, though. There has to be, you know, a good book behind it all. So Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and, it's, and I wrote it and I rewrote it and... You know, when I, I thought, is this ready to go? And I said, no, I want one more edit. 
And mm -hmm. so I hired my editor again, you know, Lauren to, to edit it one more time. And it just made it such a better book. Yeah. And then after that, I, I did, you know, a whole nother edit again and again. And it just, you, you have to do that. I mean, basically what I've been taught is, is that um, if it's not the best work you can do, don't publish it, you know, go yeah. back and work on it some more. And that's what I did for my first book. How, so, how many edits do you generally have? Well, you know, I, I've only written three books, so I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, you haven't, you haven't uh, got the average yet. <laughs> three or four. Three or four. Right. Right. Um, yeah, man, there are people who do that. They go crazy with that stuff. Like, uh, and I forget who it was. And it may have been Steve Barry, who says that he does like 50 rounds of revision yeah. on a book. I, would, I wouldn't surprise it. I mean, knowing Steve, I mean, you know, Steve went through, what, it took him 88 agents before he got an agent yeah you know i mean and he, he steve is the one who taught me persistence yeah. and uh, so i just and, and there's a guy named jack bales who's a research librarian taught me you know um you have to like get up every morning and, and work it every day and you know and of course i go i'm a member of uh international thriller writers and they right. preach you know about butt in the seat and, yes. and you know, work it you know this is not a romantic sort of uh uh, a profession it's it's really it's hard work and it's a business yeah. yeah yeah that's true and and a lot of people do not they don't they either don't think of it like that or they don't want to think of it like that right. um that whole just the butt in seat idea and coming back every day is is so painful yeah. <laughs> for so many authors yep how do you do it like what what brings you back because i love the plot twist i mean this i mean you know, and I'm always trying to think another plot to us. And like I said, plot is my hardest thing to come up with, but I have good plots. And then I love the rewrite. I love the polishing. I like, I get a lot of satisfaction out of turning a great phrase. Yeah. And it's, it's really, that's what it is. And you, and you know, and sometimes at night I'm thinking of the plot. I go, oh, that's what I need to do. And I'll get up, you know, in the middle of the night and go and type up something, you know, so right. I don't forget it, you know. And the next morning, I'm really eager to get there and work on it and make it happen. You know, so I love that part of it. You just, you have, you know, you don't do it to make a million bucks. You do it because you love it because the odds right. are you never make a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although one can dream, one can yes. hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this, so that whole getting up in the middle of the night thing, my, my wife this morning, my wife is, She's aspiring to be a writer at this point. Um, I think it's hard to be around me for too long and not want to, not want to try your hand at this. She's had an idea for a book for the past. Uh, well, we've been married, let's see, about twelve years now. So she's um, she's had an idea for about eight of those years, and I, I she's she's always trying to get me to write it. I'm yeah, like, this is your story, your book. You should write this book. She got up in the middle of the night last night because she had an idea for an opening. And wrote it. Now she's stoked. So I'm. There you go. See, I'm you know, that's what it takes. <laughs> that's what it takes. Like me, you know, I started out, you know, with that one uh, scene, and uh -huh. as soon as I finally got the scene in my head, how I would resolve it, I sat down and wrote for four or five months straight. Yeah. You know, but it was getting it was getting started. It was getting that you know impetus, and when I finally figured it out, I was on a roll. Yeah. So you're, uh, what I like, okay. So I tell um, people a lot that, you know, the, basically it's kind of like uh, carving uh, a statue out of a hunk of marble, right? You actually have to have the marble before you can form yeah. it into 
David. And uh, that's what you're basically talking about is you, you, you're going on and you're, you're crafting the marble in its raw form. And then your favorite part is coming back and smoothing all the edges and yes. letting the statue emerge. Right. Yes. That, that that's, I love. It's just, it's just gives me so much pleasure. Yeah. That's uh, and that's, you know, that's what draws us back to it. <laughs> so, um, all right. And it's, so really, and it's really about, you know, that you have to want to do it and you, you have to be persistent at it. Most people, you know, who say I want to write a book don't because they quit after two weeks, you yeah. know, they don't have the discipline to sit down and do it every day and uh, look at that, you know, computer screen and there's nothing on it. And then they just decide, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go, you know, get on Google or something or, you know, or go watch the news or read the newspaper and they don't, they just sort of quit. And it, because you'll never, you know, you'll never get published if you don't have the discipline to actually write the book. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you have an agent, you said. Yes. Um, how did you end up connecting with your agent? Well, that's a funny story. Well, <laughs> Good. That's a, I had 38 agents turn me down. Okay. Yeah. Or ignore me. Probably most of them, I think just ignored me and um, that, or I, I don't know how to write a query letter. That's, that's probably part of it too. And yeah. uh, what happened is there's this wonderful woman out in Seattle named Mary Buckham. And I told you earlier, uh, setting is sort of my weakness. And she writes these wonderful books about what she calls active setting. Okay. And she's written three or four of them. I've got them all. I've read them all. She just, I just love Mary. So I emailed her, you know, we were, we would we sort of became email pals. And I said, if you're ever on the East coast, cause I live in Virginia, I said, um, I want to meet you. So she wrote me back about six months later, said, I'm going to be, uh, just outside Richmond, Virginia with the Virginia romance writers in November of 2015. So I said, I'm going to come down there. So I contacted the romance writers. They said, sure, come on down, you know, day long seminar, Mary's giving. So I get there and I have one of two guys in a room of about 80 women yep. and, you know, and Mary's giving this seminar and stuff. And they introduced me as, you know, a guy writing a thriller. So, you know, at the end of the, of the program today, you know, Mary's got books and people were in, in line to buy her books. And so, uh, I'm in line and this woman taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, I'd love to read your manuscript. I said, sure. And, uh, and she says, well, I'm a reader for an agent in New York. I said, sure. So <laughs> this is a Saturday night. And, uh, so I emailed it to her on Monday morning, Monday afternoon. She wrote me back. I love this. This is one of the best things I've read in years. And, uh, she says, I'm not quite finished yet, but I'm going to get a hold of my agent. And I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute. I've had 38 people just say no. And so, um, anyway, so, uh, the next day she sent it off to him and says, he'll be back in touch. And then I didn't hear anything and didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. So I thought, well, okay, this is sort of the bond. So in January, he finally emails me. I really like your book. It's well-written. Um, I just don't think it's a breakout novel, so I'm not going to represent you. So then I go, oh man. So, uh, my publisher friend who I mentioned earlier, said, um, uh, Rick, why don't you try this Kindle Scout thing? And Kindle Scout is a program that Kindle Press puts on. Kindle Press uh -huh. is a dozen or more imprints that uh, Amazon has. Right. And basically, they put your uh, book up on, on the internet, maybe the first four chapters or three chapters. They end it at a certain spot. And people nominate it to be published. And they do it for 30 days, and then they decide if they want to publish it or not. So, you know, naturally you're thinking, oh, this is sort of crowdsourcing, you know, that the, they, they, whoever gets the most votes gets published, but it's not. 
they mm. actually read your book and, and what they, what all the people who nominate your book, if you get published, they get a free ebook. But what it's really all about is all those people who get the free ebook, they urge them to then uh, review your book on Amazon. And that's, so it's like free marketing for them. So they picked up my book and, you know, and it just took off. So now this is uh, May of 2016. International Thriller Writers is in July. So I saw that the agent who really liked my book but didn't pick me up was going to be there. So I wrote him and I said, I told him what had happened. And so we ended up having a brunch at the, in New York at the conference and he picked me up as a, as a client. Wow. So, you know, wow. You sell a lot of books. It gets, gets your agent's attention. Remember it's earlier when I said there were a whole lot of people who wanted to stab you right now? Yeah. Uh, it just tripled because there are so many authors who have struggled to do exactly what you just did, who have had no success at this at all. Um, that's amazing, man. Try Kindle Scout. I'm serious. Kindle Scout. Yeah, I, I, uh, and it's a program that my listeners are going to be very familiar with. And I, I actually know a handful of authors uh, very well who uh, got their launch there. Um, so that's, and, it, and that's an incredible program. So that's fantastic, man. That's, uh, so you, that is like the, that's the pretty woman fairy tale story yeah. Yeah. Um, of, you know, magic, basically. You're, you're a freaking unicorn is what you are. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic, man. Well, look, um, we are, I've, I've kept you on. I told you I'd try to keep this, uh, at around 45 minutes. We, we, we're, uh, we're around that. So what, uh, what I'm going to do, uh, is if you'll hang out, don't, don't hang up when I, uh, when I switch this over, but I got to talk to you. I want to talk to you for like five more minutes for what I call my award slinger after show. So you'll hang out for that. Sure. Okay, tell everybody where they can find more about you online. Uh, my website is rickpullen.com. Okay. That's R-I-C-K-P-U-L-L-E-N.com. Okay. Um, they can buy my book on Amazon or order it from any bookstore. So, All right. Uh, so it's, uh, there's the two books I have right now are Naked Ambition and The Apprentice. And of course, uh, for those listening and those uh, watching, I'm going to include links to uh, all this stuff in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you uh, go down there and click through. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. Hang out. Thank you. Everybody else, uh, within the sound of my voice and, and uh, possibly looking at your screens on YouTube, uh, right this second, you're probably hearing the groovy bridge music. You may dance in place at will. Stick around for some industry news and some other uh, tidbits and information you're going to want to know. And I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much, Rick, for being on the show. And everyone else, we'll see you next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rick Pullen. Uh, that, the, the idea of uh, a thriller as satire uh, is kind of cool to me. Um, you know, that's the thing about art. Like, you know, in writing as an art, we, we use art to uh, as a lens to look into the world around us, to investigate the world around us and determine whether or not, um, you know, uh, things are... Uh, well, basically, to figure out how the world works and what our place is in it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Instead of me fumbling and stumbling around for half an hour. Um, so, uh, yeah, this idea of looking at the world through that lens, uh, the lens of a thriller, uh, I find it fascinating and interesting. Um, I'm sure our president would uh, 
would actually uh, be offended uh, by the very notion, maybe call it fake novel writing or something. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, he doesn't get a vote. How about that? Um, so we're now that we're on the other side of the interview, I want to go ahead and jump right into the industry news because there's some cool stuff. There's some interesting things happening. Uh, we're in a really interesting time. We're in a very interesting time in the indie industry, uh, the indie publishing industry. We've got so many things happening all at once. Uh, it's it's kind of like the, uh, you know, that there, there's been some sort of mantle shift in the world of, uh, of indie publishing. Um, and that we're just sort of seeing tremors and then, you know, uh, the occasional volcano or something. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now, here's the, the first. So first up, I mean, I want to mention first up that uh, this week's indie publishing news is brought to you by draft to digital uh, Go figure. But... <laughs> Draft Digital is where you can actually convert and publish and distribute your books online worldwide with support the whole way. And uh, if you go to drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger, you'll help them out, you'll help you out, you'll help me out. Uh, and you uh, you don't lose any money out of your pocket by this, by the way. I get a cut of Draft to Digital's cut of your royalty. Uh, they take 15% of your royalty uh, when it's all said and done. And uh, that's only if you sell books. So you, they only make money if you make money. And I only make money if you make money. So go check out drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger. And we can all make money together. <laughs> all right. Now let's jump right into the news. Um, first up, the worlds are ending. The worlds are ending. Uh, Amazon has announced that it will be closing the, its popular Kindle World service in July. KW launched in May 2013 as a way for uh, intellectual property owners to open their worlds to other writers, with both the copyright holder and the contributor splitting royalties from sales. Um, it was a popular option uh, for authors looking to break into writing fiction with the power of a known brand behind them, and there's been no official word so far as to what happens next. Um, and that's that's proving problematic for contributing authors, honestly. Uh, under the Kindle World License Agreement, the contributing author is has granted rights to their stories to the property holders, which effectively means that uh, it's up to those property holders to make any deals to republish or redistribute that work. Uh, and there's there are very few viable options for royalty splitting in the marketplace right now. So the likelihood is that these titles will never be republished. Um, now, um, I think there's going to be an emerging resource for this, uh, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, but I'd love to hear what you think about it. Now, you can find this story if you go to bit.ly slash 150-worlds. bit.ly slash 150-worlds. This is episode 150. The, the headline has the word world in the title. You, you get how this works, right? <laughs> Go check that out. You can also find a link in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> I want to hear what you have to think, what you have to say about this, what you think about this. Um, the Kindle Worlds program, I know at least, you know, half a dozen authors. Uh, Nick Thacker was a Kindle Worlds author. He wrote uh, a book in the A.G. Riddle uh, universe, uh, the uh, Atlantis, uh, the Atlantis, uh, um, whatever, the Atlantis universe that he writes in. Nick's book is called The Atlantis Riddle. I'm curious. Like, I haven't reached out to Nick yet, so I don't know what his position is yet, but I'm curious as to what uh, happens to these uh, these titles. I think they're just going to be pulled, 
and the property owners can uh, decide to republish them. But how does the royalty split work at that point? If you make things complicated for people, particularly people who don't have time to mess with complicated, then uh, the default is to not do anything. So let me know what you think about that. Uh, hop on over to wordslingerpodcast.com. Hit me up with the uh, with an email or a comment on this uh, on this show's uh, show notes page. And I'd love to hear it. Um, next up, Romantic Times is calling it quits. Romantic Times magazine, uh, it's been around forever, uh, and it's associated annual con- convention. Um, they're both going to be shutting down, according to a May 16th announcement uh, from the actual convention this year. The Romantic Times convention is currently running, uh, but magazine owner Catherine Falk announced to attendees that this would be the last year for the, con- the uh, convention and for the magazine. Uh, most attendees were very surprised and were concerned that this closure would impact readers. Thanks to Joe Carroll Jones, however, there's, a, there's still some spark for the readers and convention goers, uh, Jones account, uh, accounted that she will be creating and running the Book Lovers Convention, which will take up the cause. Um, this is a curious uh, turn of events. You know, the romance market is huge, uh, so I, I I don't know the circumstances behind closing down the magazine and the convention. Uh, but typically, you don't close down unless you're not profitable. So even though the uh, the genre is huge, and there are more authors making a living from it uh, than ever, um, maybe there's just not enough love uh, to go around, <laughs> so to speak, uh, for uh, readers to connect with these authors at these conventions. It could be that there are just far too many romance authors out there, or there are other means for readers to connect with those authors. Uh, and the convention is no longer needed for that purpose. Too too expensive, too much hassle, too difficult to get to. Uh, you know, maybe readers are less interested in meeting the authors in person. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot that could go into that. So I'm curious to hear what you think on that. Uh, hop over to wordslingerpodcast.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you think of this development. You can find the story at bitly slash 150-romantic. Uh, that's where you can dig in. That's, that's on their actual site. So you ought to be able to to get some useful information out of that. If you happen to be a romance author, um, and you have inside information on this, uh, let me know. I'd love to hear more on the story. I could, uh, update people later. Speaking of updating more cocky, (laughs) the the story behind hashtag cocky gate just keeps evolving. Uh, now with a feature article in Vox detailing some of the, the, uh, finer points of the IP battle for those not in the know, author Felina Hopkins. She's a romance author. She started an avalanche of news and ill feelings when she trademarked the word cocky as it applies to eBooks, books, and audiobooks in the romance genre. Um, she started a ruckus when she sent cease and desist letters to a number of romance authors using the word in the titles of their books, uh, following up by issuing takedown notices with Amazon for alleged trademark violation. Now, the story continues to take on mass as authors take issue, uh, file petitions to have the trademark revoked, uh, and even turn to trade organizations like the RWA to bring legal muscle to the game. The implications of this story just keep unfolding. Um, now, if you recall, I actually covered this story last week uh, in the episode with Michelle Meadow. And uh, I think it's interesting that this is, uh, that this is happening. It's what, what's doing is opening up a, a whole world uh, that we haven't yet explored, a frontier we haven't yet explored in the indie publishing industry. What, what is the relationship between indie publishing 
and intellectual property. You know, how does this work? How does branding work? Um, there are a lot of questions coming out of this. My personal take is that uh, Hopkins overstepped with uh, with the trademark. I don't think she had a legal right to trademark the word uh, in any form, honestly. It is a commonly used English word and commonly used in the romance genre. Uh, there's She has no first case our first use case uh, for the term because it was used well before her first book was published. And uh, she tried to trademark the term uh, in a stylized font. She didn't try. She actually succeeded in trademarking the term in a stylized font. And the font's creator never granted her the uh, permission to do that. So um, my this is my personal, non-legal, non-informed uh, take. Um, this trademark should never have happened. There's two trademarks involved in this case. Neither of them should have held up. Someone at the uh, United States um, Patent and Trade Office did not do their job. It did not vet properly. And now we've got a, uh, a sticky situation, which could ultimately evolve into a greater discussion about trademark, copyright, intellectual property in general. Uh, so it is something to watch. It's something to watch as content creators, as um, IP creators. Uh, IP meaning intellectual property, by the way. I, I use the term a lot, so I, I forget sometimes not everyone knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, the more technical among you may be thinking of internet protocol. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, the this is has opened up a, a broader discussion about intellectual property in the indie publishing industry. And uh, I'm kind of glad of it, actually. I mean, it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a nightmare. It could result in some things we don't like. Um, but it also opens up the possibility of creating new protections for our properties, new ways, uh, for us to work within the worlds of other authors. For example, the whole Kindle worlds thing is an IP, uh, twist up. So maybe, maybe something really positive can come out of this. If we concentrate, <laughs> if we focus, so that's it, that's the news for this week. Um, I hope you I hope you get something out of these news segments. These are new, relatively new. I've only been doing this for the past few months. Um, I try to bring you three new stories every week. Sometimes I bring you an, a story more than once, <laughs> like Hockey Gate. Um, but uh, I hope you're getting something out of that. Let me know. Hop over to wordslingerpodcast.com. Send me an email um, and uh, let me know that uh, you're getting something out of this and what you know how you feel about it. Uh, it helps me to fine-tune the content of the show, and things are getting better. Stuff's getting better. Stuff's getting better all the time. <laughs> tell you what, if you can tell me what uh, what book and or movie that comes from, I uh, I will send you a a uh, a pri- I will send you from the Wordslinger Podcast Studios an official repurposed Marvel No Prize from the '80s. <laughs> which of course is nothing but i will give you positive energy and goodwill uh but uh pop over to wordslingerpodcast.com let me know where that quote comes from stuff's getting better stuff's getting better all the time <laughs> and here's a hint the person who originally pinned those words has been a guest on the wordslinger podcast so go uh go go forth my uh, my slingers and <laughs> find find this trivia and share it with me. Um, okay, so that's gonna wrap us up for this week. I appreciate you sticking around. Uh, I I have to tell you some some weeks are harder than others. Uh, I had a I had an interesting thing uh, happen. I had my 
the shelves that were mounted to the wall behind me collapsed. All my stuff went to the floor. I got hit. You know, there's all kinds of chaos. That happened on Monday, and I've spent the whole week recovering from that. Uh, I had to do some patching and painting and that sort of thing. So had a had an interesting week. Uh, so if you're watching the video version of the podcast, you'll notice that the shelves disappear. <laughs> They're going to go back up. I'm going to try to pull them up today, actually. Uh, but, you know, that's the way things work out. So that said, chaos happens in your life, okay? Uh, some some episodes of The Worst Slinger Podcast are tougher to produce than others. Last week's was really tough. This week's not as tough. Um, you know, sometimes things fall off your walls. Sometimes you have fender benders. You know, sometimes you get into altercations on Facebook. You know, sometimes we have rough days and they can lead to rough weeks but they don't have to lead to rough lives um i'm coming to realize just how just how remarkable my life is uh I, you you would think i just know this instinctively i don't you probably don't either but i encourage you to stop for five minutes today just stop let all the thoughts in your head pass all the worry and anxiety pass for five minutes. Let it all go as if it doesn't exist. You can do it for five minutes. And just look around exactly where you are and, and, and find the one thing in your immediate presence that you can be grateful for. You, maybe it's just having the ability to hear this podcast. Maybe it's you know the sun on your face. Maybe it's the, you know, the breeze through your hair, the birds in the distance, the sound of your kid laughing. Um, the bowl of cereal that you're having <laughs> for, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, you know, find something, the cup of coffee, you know, I couldn't make coffee this morning. I had to make tea because I, uh, for a, a number of reasons. So I'm drinking a glass of Earl, Earl Grey tea. I'm grateful for this Earl Grey because it, it stood in for my good friend coffee, uh, when coffee couldn't make it. <laughs> so silly little things. Embrace the silly little good things in your life, even if for just five minutes a day, and then share that with others. Tell them to do the same. So that's my, that's the, the more poignant part of the words on your podcast today. I hope you're getting something great out of the show. I love each and every one of you. God bless. I'll see you all next time.